you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast in charge of hiring a new Jets head coach. Welcome to an higher solo already. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? Like, uh, we just see each other too much. I have nothing nothing left to say to you two. There's not know, a day right? that goes by that we don't see each other. And, and, and it is good, actually, to have this, you know, regular time. Uh, but even on the days off, it's like we'll, we'll be on a little Zoom meeting. So I get to see your outfits every day. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're like going steady together, <laughs> um, really, since March. But for a, many, many months longer than that. But, I mean, it's been heavy since March. This is the divisional round playoff preview episode, and I am excited as we all are. This is always so much fun uh, this week of football. It's the best teams in the league. Uh, the NFC East is not involved. And, uh, boys, you know that uh, I am the power rankings guy on mm-hmm. NFL.com. Uh, it's it's how my uh, bread gets buttered. The Dan Hansis shout-out. In, in the digital space, if you will. Uh, so I decided... <laughs> Uh, since I'm involved with making lists and writing blurbs and being called an asshole by extremists and other troglodytes of the internet, I'm going to offer up a list, power ranking list of the remaining quarterbacks the in the playoffs. Shout out. And I want you guys to tell me if you agree or disagree. There we go. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Little controversy. What, what right is there. this based on? Like this year or just right what? now? Like Where right now. Okay. Right Heading now. into the weekend. Here and now. Number three, Josh Allen. Number four, Lamar. And that was tough because number five is Tom Brady. And I love how Tom Brady looks right now. But I think Lamar is just a little more special at this stage. Number six, close call. But Baker, Mark, how about that? Hmm. Number seven, Drew Brees. And number eight, 
Jared Goff or John Wolford. Any anybody have an issue with that order? No, unfortunately. You know, yeah, I, well, that, I, I'm the power rankings guy. I kind of, so I kind of want to argue. This will be an article, I think, next week on QB index. They usually at least do this in the playoffs at some point. It's usually this week. Um, I would probably put Brady higher right now. So and I guess, Lamar? Um, yeah, it's tough though. Like, like if you're just basing it on the last month, you know, he's higher than Mahomes. I mean, so is Josh Allen. I, you know, I, I would maybe put Josh Allen one. Um, Whoa! Well, just right now, not Over like Mahomes predicting the future. And the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. See, now you're getting saucy. You're I don't know. Getting a little Baylessy, to be honest. Uh, and I think Brady's right there. I might go Allen. It's ridiculous how good those five are. That Lamar is either fourth or fifth with the way he's. So, do you have Aaron Rodgers ahead of Jared Goff or behind? Just I want Rodgers like third or something. They're all about the same. Those top five are all playing lights out. How much better can you play? Yeah, that's true. Um, we're going to get into all of the games, but listen, you know where we're at on this podcast right now, the Sessler and all the years of misery and now the glory. Uh, it would be silly if we started the show uh, with anything else other than defending uh, world champion Chiefs against Mark's Cleveland Browns. Ricky? I knew that I never wanted to walk away from them. Would it be the same as the seventh or, eight, seventh or eighth grade version of me that lived and died so hard by this team? So hard. So hard. It cracked through a little bit. It did. It did. It did. So hard. I'm just one person that roots for this team. I knew that I never wanted to well. walk away from them. All right, Mark, we get it. I mean, we're loyalists so now it's paying off. Mark Thank is... you, I think. I'm not sure how to respond to that, but Erica, up to her old tricks. I wanted to um, make it kind of like a warm thing, and then uh, when Ricky was d- done with her handiwork, it was a bunch of <laughs> jokes. So, you know, but still, it's loving, ultimately. Uh, you're not the only Browns backer uh, at NFL Media. In fact, uh, one of our favorite. Uh, men, the sixth man of the year. I call him the pipe. Greg doesn't. Uh, Nick Shook is also going to jump on now. What's up, Shook? Look at Shooky suited and booted. <laughs> Hello, Nick Shook. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Wow. How are you feeling right now? Like, I don't have a theme song with a Jerry Maguire type uh, Tom Cruise drops for you, but um, <laughs> how are you feeling at this time with the Cleveland Browns? I don't know if the Browns are going to show me the money, but um, after picking the Chiefs and, and and getting my now weekly hate from Browns fans who just tell me they're disappointed in me more than anything, somebody mm. last week wished that I would step on a Lego when I picked the Steelers over the Browns. <laughs> so I respect that. But that's um, a bad job. Know. That's a bad job picking against your team in a game that, that they won. Well, yeah, is it is it a case of? Because I went on Cleveland radio, and and one of the first things they asked was, "Why is Nick Shook, who you know?" <laughs> You're you're a favorite son in that area. Why is Nick Shook continually um, punking the Browns in these predictions? And and the the answer that we came up with was um, a masterful touch of reverse psychology. Is is it that or something else, Nick? Yeah, that was a Nathan Zagura special, I'm sure. Um, no, yeah. it's it's a fact that I pick with my brain and not my heart. 
and my brain has told me last week that the Browns had every excuse in the world to lose that game, every reason in the world to lose that game, mm. and, and that it's going to be a tough uh, battle for them to win this one. But I did dive into some numbers and uh, gave me some encouragement, so I'm feeling better, I think, about this game than I did last week. But uh, still, I still am going to stick with my prediction of the Chiefs being the Browns. Shucky, you know, I, I think that's a bad job. I think you got to pick the Browns, but you're a serious analyst man, hence the suit. You're going on network later. I get that. I also want to, like, connect the dots again. Long has it been a mystery of this podcast. Shook goes to work for the Cleveland Browns. You know, quits that gig out of nowhere, comes back to us, and we're all happy about that. You always wondered if there's some type of bad blood between Shook and the Browns. Well, now let's see what's going on with these playoff picks. Hmm. <laughs> no, no, there's no bad blood. It's just, uh, it, it may, you know, I think 20 years of the Browns being bad has robbed mm. me of the ability to pick with my heart. Okay, that's fair enough. And let's mm. get into this game, boys, uh, and Greggy, and, uh, because, you know, the Browns, and I said this um, earlier in the week, it feels like a house money game for them because the season is a success. But at the same time, I don't want to dismiss them as having a chance here. And it does go back to the version of the Chiefs, Greg, that we've seen uh, in the back half of the season. And I know that the kind of popular line here is to dismiss all those close wins as a team that was kind of going through the motions, waiting for this moment. And that makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, that was what was happening when this team played competitive games. And now you take 20 days off for most of the most important players. You know, maybe the Browns are in a decent spot here with where this Chiefs t- team is. Right. I, I guess that's all possible that they were playing, you know, just hard enough to barely win. That doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but it's been since week eight that they, they won by double digits and they've had problems on both sides of the ball. But in this game, the, what really matters to me is their defense. Remember everyone started the year being like, hey, the Chiefs got a defense now. It's like they, Patrick Mahomes doesn't even need to put up that many points. <laughs> I well, love that you do that voice, by the way. Greg. Yeah, they were, uh, <laughs> they, they were 31st in expected points uh, allowed since week nine. They're a bad defense. They give up plays on the ground. That, that's a problem. They can't get off the field on third down. That's a problem against the Browns. Um, they've got two really good players in Chris Jones and Honey Badger, and otherwise they've kind of struggled. And Stefanski's just outcoached Mike Tomlin uh, with the plan that he put up. He knows how to find mismatches. These are two top five or six offenses against the two worst defenses left still in the playoffs. So I see it being like the Raiders Chiefs. Two, you know, I, I see it being back and forth, some long possessions, very few defensive stops. And that's going to make it a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really surprised that the Chiefs are 10-point favorites. I don't like that at all. Um, you know, I like the Browns a lot better there. I, I think, you know, you look, at, you look at how we analyzed the game last week, and it, it, it was simple, but one of the aspects was you've got to try to befuddle Big Ben and, and do something on defense. And uh, they got a lot of gifts, and that changed the game, I mean, immediately and instantly. And by the end of the first quarter, everything you would have thought would have happened with Cleveland and Pittsburgh went out the gate. I, I, when I think about gifts against the, the Chiefs, it's punts. Can you stop drives? Um, it, it is. There's no reason to think this can't be a high-scoring game. It, we're in January, and the Cleveland Browns, their strength is an offensive line that um, even when a, a guy goes out of the lineup, it just seems to be that Bill Callahan has put together a pretty seamless uh, system here where they thrive. I mean, they absolutely dominated the Steelers. Baker Mayfield, everyone thought he's going to be detonated by their pass rush. He wasn't. Um, I think they can score points in this game. I think you're going to need Jarvis Landry to play like a king because Baker Mayfield's going to have to make some throws along with the run game. 
And I don't hate the idea of Miles Garrett and even Adrian Claiborne going up against the likes of like Mike Remmers and Eric Fisher at tackle. I think that's an issue. If Mitchell Schwartz is not able to go, um, that that's an area for, of concern for the Chiefs to some degree. Yeah, I think it's um, it might sound a little bit cliche based on, you know, how do you win a football game on the road in the playoffs? Well, you do it by keeping the ball out of the opponent's hand, but that might be the Browns' best uh, option here, which is, of course, you would do that with the run game. We know that the Chiefs have struggled against the run. Um, the, the, the difference, though, is that the Browns, no matter who they're playing, if they face stacked boxes, um, they're actually finding success. Now, they didn't against the Jets when they were in that tough spot a few weeks ago. But on average, over the season, nobody has faced a, a, a stack box more often or more defenders on average in the box than the Browns because every defense knows they're going to run the football. So if you can effectively run the ball, that's great. But what you really need to do more than uh, than anything is to establish a balance, whether it's those quick passes that, that Baker Mayfield had against the Steelers or whether it's handing it off to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and, and, and really just keeping the ball out of the Chiefs' hands because this Browns defense, I saw somebody tweet last week, I thought it was pretty accurate, held together by duct tape. I know they're getting some guys back, uh, Denzel Ward being back is a huge one but it's still not a good defense and you don't want to want to get into this track meet or a shootout with this team because you're bound to lose that game there are layers of uh to the onion when you talk about the win over the Steelers for Cleveland and one of them that I don't think is getting enough um play and discussion is the way Baker played in the game because that was all set up to be you know, one of the most memorable comeback wins in history, like Frank Reich uh, against the Oilers type comeback uh, with the Pittsburgh offense going up and down the field in the second half. And it seemed like things are going to unravel. All you needed was the opposing quarterback to make a big mistake or two. And I thought Baker again in a big spot. And I mentioned this in the preview last week because the he did it again uh, when the spotlight was on against the Ravens. He made a bunch of big throws. He wasn't the star of the game. He wasn't the reason they won. But again, he showed that he he likes the moment. He he's not someone that's going to cower from it. He's you know a little hot and cold as a quarterback um, uh, for my liking. But when he enters this stage, I like uh, Baker Mayfield in this game for all the reasons I've stated. I think he's going to come in and make plays. He's not going to be the reason they lose. I really don't think that's going to be the case. He's like a lot of starters. Where if you protect him. He's gonna. He's throwing it great, and he he's got a little extra than most starters because he's just more talented as a thrower. Like when I when I compared him to Kirk Cousins, I think there's there's some similarities, um, but he's just more talented throwing the ball into tighter windows when he needs to. And the difference the last couple weeks is he's made a couple second reaction plays. I mean, he's not going to be Mahomes or Allen, but he's made a couple runs. And a couple plays where he he got pressured and then made a play, and that's it. Just keep a couple. If he can keep a couple extra drives alive by doing that, and there's there's every reason again to believe he can against the Chiefs because they're. If you talk to the Chiefs fans, they're 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 sick of their defensive line. They're sick of Frank Clark not being a factor. They're, and they're they're a little sick of their offensive line too. Like th- that's where their weaknesses were this year. It was up front on both sides, and and especially for the Cleveland offense, like that feels like a mismatch. I mean, Baker last week he had two point three four seconds in terms of time to throw, quickest all season. They found a way to counter Pittsburgh's rush, and so it's, it, the same can apply to Kansas City. The Steelers had a Golston, by the way, our old favorite. Didn't have a didn't touch Baker Mayfield one single time. Right, and think about this, and I and I get that like this gets kind of just washed out of the system because we're kind of tired of the storyline. They practice for like three hours 
And the week before that, they practiced for like three hours. Well, Maybe that's that been helped. exposed this year. Practice doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it's good. <laughs> I mean, seriously, to, to be like, fresh I'm not, at this yeah, time I'm not really joking. It's like maybe well, we have, once you're in the season, the idea of like grinding it out and going through drills and stuff, it's being shown. You, you would have never seen this until a global pandemic came along. But, you know, that that has been – that's this isn't the first team that we've seen this season that missed practice all week and then showed up and played a great game. I yeah. would say, though, it says something about the Cleveland Browns that someone like Blake Hance, who met Baker Mayfield the morning of the game, had ne- had been signed off the Jets practice squad, came in and played the way he did. That's There's a lot of examples of that where with with no preparation, they did well. I'm with you, Dan. They're not, they don't need to be doing tackling drills on a Wednesday. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that the idea that practice simply doesn't matter is probably more of a media thing than actual. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, because... You know, there's not you can't speak too much about Patrick Mahomes, and he's been out of the NFL world for weeks now. Literally, uh, by the time he plays, uh, takes his next snap, a meaningful snap, it will be 20 days. And there is that's one thing I do not think is going to happen. This talk, oh, will the Chiefs be rusty? I actually went back. When's the last time Mahomes missed you know extended weeks and then came back? It was when he hurt his knee last season. He missed two weeks of that injury, came back 65 or 70 percent, as everyone remembers, and threw for 446 yards and three touchdowns uh, in a last second loss to the Titans. So like he's going to be okay. It's the issues that we're bringing up with the Chiefs defense that I have more concerns about. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, that's another uh, uh, focus point on offense. He's been practicing in a limited fashion. They're a rookie running back after sustaining the hip and ankle injuries in week 14. Uh, we'll see where he is by the time uh, this weekend comes along because he's an important part of what they do. Not vital compared to, obviously, the passing game, but he did make them better. Yeah, and to Greg's point uh, about the, the offensive defensive line worries in Kansas City, the reason that the, the first moment I realized the Browns had a legitimate shot of pulling off the upset last week was when I realized that they were winning at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. There was an early sequence where Larry Joby sent Marquise Pouncey into the backfield and stuffed a third and short attempt that Ronnie Harrison cleaned up that really, to me, kind of opened my eyes and said, wow, like, you know, they, they want this more. Now, obviously, it's more about it's more than just wanting it, but uh, the right. one thing that worries me is uh, if Baker Mayfield, you know, with that quick time to throw that Mark mentioned if he drops back and throws one of those interceptions that he's been known to do a few times just off of a pre-snap read where he doesn't even take the time to see if somebody's sliding down into coverage that could be a a momentum shifter in this game that I kind of worry about from the Browns perspective but they've shown that they've been able to avoid those mistakes for the most part recently so we'll see like I I feel like we're a little too down on the Chiefs probably we we should get that's that's what I feel right now that's the vibe I'm getting but I understand listen we got Shook and Sessler on the show. We're talking about the Browns' two wins from the Super Bowl. It's going to seem like the Chiefs have no shot. Uh, but, you know, Nick Shook did pick the Chiefs. Shook, you going to lock up the Chiefs in this game? <laughs> no. Go I'm going to stay 1-0 all time. All right. Good. Shook, um, you will be appearing on NFL Network as you do regularly. What do you talk uh, when you do your network appearances? I know Greg watches because it's on TV at all times. Uh, in, well, we're going to be taping matter, during his appearance, but I'll, I'll DVR it, Shook, and watch it later. I appreciate that's commitment, Greg. I appreciate that. It's, what just, is, it's, it's next-gen stats. Usually it's rankings. At this point, we're previewing one stat that gives an underdog a shot or a reason for hope, and that's we'll be going to the Browns as one of them uh, in a little bit. Mm. Do you do that with Siciliano? Uh, yeah, typically it's either Sicilian. Yeah, this or place Red. is lousy with Browns fans. This is getting a little bit. <laughs> it absurd. is. It is a little wild. Which is, um, by the way, why I feel bad about what I'm going to do next. Which is, which is lock up the Chiefs. That's fine. That's I fair. have to. Uh, I have to. Uh, 
upset or annoy um, either Mark or um, my daughter Ellis, who I know I, I this house is too much football focus. When she asked me earlier who I'm locking up, um, like she know, and I was like, she's like, don't don't lock up the rest. So I, if I'm going to annoy either her or Mark, it's going to be Mark. Sorry, you can't take oh, down Cecilia. He's over you're the locking moon. them up. It's got to be one of those two. I think <laughs> I we're up. It. I think we're up to an aggregate of 20 point uh, in terms of Lane Wood favorite for Greg locking up in the playoffs so far. So, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Everybody, everybody knows what you're doing, Greg. What, taking, taking the team that I think has the best chance to win. Imagine that. Get those heavy favorites. All right, Shook, thanks for coming on. We love you. You're the sixth man of the year for a reason. And uh, enjoy this game. Yep. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. See you. All soon. right. Good stuff. All right. So. Mm. I got the Chiefs too, but I'm I've locked up against the Browns already in the postseason. There's I'm just not gonna do that. No, you were taught your lesson. Yeah, yeah exactly. Didn't, didn't work. Congrats, did. You were gonna be taught your lesson in three days. I know, I don't feel good about it. I I, I hope you don't. I don't feel good about I like all four underdogs this weekend to uh to cover at least. You know how I know both of you guys are playing you guys are tight right now trying to win this title? Because I'm just mm-hmm. an observer now. I think I'm three or four games out. You're locking up the Chiefs, double-digit favorite. Sessler not locking up the Browns, which just makes sense that he would just go all in on Cleveland, but he wants the title so bad that he can't truly get behind the Browns in this game. So I, I'm, you know, just watching the world burn here. Um, I think I, I think that's a, it's not exactly analyzed correctly. I, I have thought very hard about locking up the Browns, but my one thing is that it puts too much into one effort. I like to spread my lock around from where my emotional side mm. is um it that's when it doesn't go well so it's more about that i don't want to be worrying about locks during that game okay i can't imagine you would be either way but you know this is you know i predicted a, them to win and it's not and i i understand one. when you say that nick shook is doing what would be respected by picking the chiefs i picked them to beat the, the steelers last week and i believed it and i believe that they're going to win i really yeah, really do i can see it it's it, i you can see it i mean um, everyone maybe, is about 3 weeks behind where the browns actually are now maybe i'm completely beyond where they are and i'm wrong we'll see I, but I think people are not tracking them correctly what? i think there's a chance there. that's why i like i, I mean, think where were but where I'm, were we in week 17 on that mark i mean with all i know you're excited and you have every right to be but that team played poorly in week 17 and barely beat the backups of the steelers how could people be behind they lost to the jets before that well, it's like what I would look closely at what happened in that Jets game. That wouldn't happen. Oh, I did. I watched ten it. times in a row, and I think that they. I think there's something else beyond the X's and O's here with with some of these teams in the playoffs, and I think Cleveland right. is feeling themselves a little bit in a way that you know I, I can't really put words to. And the Chiefs we'll and the Chiefs are not as good an offense, right? I know we're spending a lot of time in this game, but the Chiefs. Every number says it. Their offense peaked in eighteen. It was a little worse last year, but then got going. And right now, their offense is fifth or you know third or fourth in the league, you know, in DVOA and everything. Like they're not quite where they were okay. last year or the year before. I really believe that. Now, I mean, Kelsey, Chiefs, Chiefs are going to score thirty-seven points. Of course, I'm just saying, like they're not quite the same team right now. Maybe they'll turn flip the switch, and we'll all be wrong. All right, let's move on. The Ravens. They moved on with that twenty to thirteen win over. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, great performance by their defense. Lamar made that special play with his legs. Uh, their reward for advancing out of wild card round is a trip to Orchard Park to face the Bills, who just barely got by the Colts, um, 27-24, and uh, a back-and-forth game that really was a coin flip game. And it seemed like, uh, I don't know, just if we're talking about the good fortunes and 
positive vibes around the Browns. Bills, too. The, all the things that went right for the Bills with those sideline boundary catches by Gabe Davis, the uh, offsides uh, drawing uh, the, the Tennessee, the Indianapolis defender offsides, the fumble late in the game that ended up in the arms of uh, the Bills' offensive linemen. They, it just worked out for the Bills, and I think they're going to have to be better to beat the Ravens, who obviously um, are surging right now. Six straight wins, and this is a Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen special. Two studs out of the 2018 um, NFL draft. Uh, what are you thinking on this one, Greg? I, I'm so excited. Like, I just checked while you're talking there your power rankings just because I'm curious. Because to me, these are I would go Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, one, two, three. And um, I don't think there's like a super dominant team in the NFL, but I could see either one of these teams winning the Super Bowl. I got Chiefs, Bills, Packers. Right, Ravens. I saw you had yeah. so you had you had three of the top four, but that's yep. that's how I go right now. The Ravens' defensive performance last week, really the last couple weeks, but it, they convinced me last week was so impressive. I think Josh Allen, like I just like said, is playing quarterback at a level. That you, there's almost nothing you can do. It, I'm, everyone is always looking for the person to compare Allen to, and the obvious one, you know, if you just take away the physicality, I guess, in the running, which is a big deal, but is Mahomes because if you don't keep him in the pocket, and this is true of both of these quarterbacks, you're dead. But with Allen, the difference is like the throws he's making outside the pocket are are just crazy. I mean, they're just crazy. The arm strength and almost the creativity of what he is tries to go for it it's just crazy and the flick of his wrist on that deep pass as an example of what you're saying uh last weekend it's just like there are very few guys and Mahomes maybe is the only other one that can right. make that throw so effortlessly right and you can kind of put up the perfect defense defense for him and he's still gonna get you and and I and one thing I was looking for heading into last week and they did it was are they gonna start let you know, calling plays for Allen running more and they did and that was a big part of last week's game. And I think that's something regular season, maybe not as much. Postseason, we're going to do it. And so I love mobile quarterbacks. These are two, you know, might be the best mobile quarterback matchup we've ever seen in the playoffs. It's just, it's awesome. I, I adore this matchup. I mean, it's a quarterback matchup we never would have seen 10 years ago. Um, it wouldn't have even been something you could have imagined 20 years ago. And it's two teams that have embraced what their quarterbacks have to offer. And it, a lot of it is, like, I think the coaching matchup here is fascinating. Um, Dan, I, I like what you said, though. I'm a little, the, I'd be a little concerned about Buffalo's defense. They've been better over the past, you know, month plus. But they gave up 472 yards last week. Uh, they, this, now, I think the Colts, I think we were a little cold, not just us, but in general, People were a little icy towards the Colts last week and their chances because I think some of the energy around Buffalo and the way Buffalo was playing, Colts put up a real good fight in that game. But to me, it was like Buffalo overcoming in the first half starts, you know, three starts inside their 11-yard line, a fourth at the 15, like terrible field position early on, and they just made play after play and I think got over the hump almost psychologically in a game where it was like Buffalo, just like these other teams, needed to get that playoff win. And there was, all, you know, Buffalo was more like everyone's picking Buffalo. That's a tough place to be. And mm -hmm. there might have been some nerves here and there, but they worked their way out of it. But then you look at the Ravens. Same thing for them. Down 10 nothing. The way that they battled out of that was one of the most, uh, I thought, resilient showings by any team all year. And the Ravens, after that moment, when, they, when Lamar Jackson had that 48-yard run, two things were happening. I thought, one... 
rip off any rip off the band-aid. The Ravens are here, they're gonna do what they need to do, but Lamar Jackson, once he gets going like that, you have to almost view him as unstoppable. And the Titans had no answer. And so I don't love their passing game, but I love that they get enough passes through the air for Lamar to make them versatile enough where they're not a one trick pony. They're extremely dangerous. I thought that Greg Roman had one of his better games, you know, second quarter through the end. One of the better coaching games he's had all year. He's been totally ignored as a head coaching candidate this time around. Um, same with Don Wing Margandale. I think that's a, t- a complete oversight. These are two of the best coordinators in the game, and the Ravens, to me, will take this thing right to the final minutes. I think it was overlooked, to your point, Mark, how dangerous a spot the Bills were in last week. Just because there was so much like assumption that the Bills, forget about winning Wild Card Weekend, we'll see you in Arrowhead at the championship game. Like That was where everyone's heads were at and maybe still is. Um, and it wasn't the Chicago Bears that was waiting for them in that wild card round. It was a very good Colts team. Um, so good on them for um, being able to hold off what what really felt like if there was ever if there's ever such thing. And I know this Claybon might faint when he hears this. If there's ever such thing as a trap game in the playoffs, that's what the Bills had to get past uh, last weekend, and they did it. So good good on them. To your other point about the defense, they gave up uh, yes, close to 500 yards. They didn't have a turnover. And what's what spooked me, and if I'm a Buffalo fan, uh, especially with someone as special as Lamar Jackson now coming into the building, was at uh, after a touchdown uh, with 14-11 to play, it's 24-10 against the Colts, and you you think, oh, we got away, you know, there was we nearly got picked off there, but we got the game under control. We're going to take it home. Colts get the ball, seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown in two and a half minutes, mostly uh, on the ground. Bills come back, kick a field goal to make it 27-16, calm things down a little bit again. Colts get the ball back, five plays, 76 yards in under two minutes to make it 27-24. That was not a good look for the Buffalo defense, which showed no ability to close out the game. And oh, by the way, Phillip Rivers had first and 10 inside Buffalo territory uh, with a, a minute to play. Didn't get closer. You give the Bills credit for that. But that defense needs to be better in this spot. Well, they also have shown that this isn't a one-time thing. So they gave up more than 200 yards twice this year. Um, they've given up more than 200 yards seven times since McDermott's been there, which is among the worst in the league. It's a defense built to stop the pass first. Um, it's a little bit of a lighter, faster defense. They they give up runs to the outside. The, the Patriots ran all over them twice. Uh, they gave up more than 160, I think, another three or four times, including last week. And so, okay, a team that runs to the outside well can, can present problems. Oh, hello, Ravens. I mean, they they I know they shut down the Ravens pretty well last year, which, you know, is, is something to think about, you know, in that matchup uh, in the regular season where both quarterbacks really struggled. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen to a much bigger degree, but Lamar struggled too, considering it was his MVP season. But they, they need their, their guys up front to step up like, all their stars. Jerry Hughes had a bad game. Tredavious White had a bad game last week. He's going to be matched up on Hollywood Brown. We give Hollywood Brown so much uh, grief. I mean, if there's such a thing as clutch, I don't quite believe it in this way. But, like, his best two games of his career are his two playoff games. He showed up and was a was great last week. He won that matchup over and over. Had a lot of key first downs, and they went to him. Man, if, is he if back? He, so has he now progressed from Hawthorne to Hollywood? He's all the way he's back? He's Hollywood. No. Well, yeah. here's the thing. 
wasn't it always like Hollywood, Florida? So in a way, it like never, you know, it, it was always kind of a small Oh, I had town. no idea that. That's, I didn't yeah, know. That's I, a, I, don't, I didn't realize any man named themselves after Hollywood, Florida. That feels... Or somewhere. Different. I could be wrong, but I don't think it was Hollywood, California. It was a different Hollywood. Well, that was his first 100-yard game since week one. And so you're right. They needed it. Um, and, you know, it's it's no small thing that after that first quarter where the Titans totally exposed the Ravens. I thought that their linebackers, um, their secondary grew stronger as the game went along. They wind up allowing 209 total yards and 13 points, um, shutting down Derrick Henry, shutting down Tennessee in general after the first quarter. And to me, that's just I like when Marcus Peters is going to make some play in this game. You're going to get one of these Raven-esque turnovers um, that puts the Bills in a tight spot. So I, to me, this thing is one of the tougher games to predict uh, well, basically since Baltimore, Tennessee a week ago, that's how these games go. I'm taking the Ravens, and I, I feel okay about it because I, I think Allen is going to just— I actually think he has more burden on him than Lamar even because I think the Ravens' defense is going to be better, and I think he's got more of a running game. And so I think Allen is just going to have to be incredible, and he, and he obviously could be. But I do like, um, you know— when you watch this Ravens team, they have the sort of the feel. It's such a stupid thing to go off, but they have the feel of a team that I can just imagine Super Bowl features being written about with this veteran defense full of badasses, Judon and Campbell and Peters and Humphrey. And they've all McPhee suddenly shows up. He goes over to Chicago. He comes back. He, it's like all these guys, these are grown men. Like they came out and balled last week on defense. They have that Ravens feel. And I, I don't know. I can just see them continuing to win. I have the... Chiefs over the Browns by a field goal in a close game. I also I, this one I think it, I I like I had to submit my picks to uh, NFL.com. I have Ravens twenty eight, Bills twenty seven. That type of game. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's hard. It's really hard to pick this game as a blowout in either direction. Um, it becomes to me basically a coin flip game. I'd like to see the Bills advance because I love the story and the fans uh, and all that. Um, but it feels like just something special going on in Baltimore now mm. uh, with that defense rising and Lamar. Now, it should be said, I say that and I pick the Ravens. And I think some of my misgivings about the defense in Buffalo got me nervous. And that's how it, it led to the picking the Ravens. You know, the Ravens only had 20 points last week. We You get all caught up in the big play um, by Lamar. But overall, that wasn't a huge offensive performance. Is he going to be able to pass the ball if Josh Allen has another big day? Hey, this is this is a great game. I, I picked. Um, I sent picks to the same place, and I'm looking at what I suggested here, and I'm not totally thrilled with it. But I picked Bills 27, Ravens 18. Mm. I guess in that in that world, um, I can see it's that. it's just the collapse of the Ravens, probably late in the game or something. Um, if I t- as we get closer, I feel like it's a field goal type game. One thing I noticed last week is like on the read option plays, like Lamar's not handing it off anymore. They actually they actually stopped Lamar many times in put them in long yardage situations but he's he knows like I'm the I'm the best player on the field I'm going to pop a couple here and he did he popped like 3 or 4 including that touchdown it's I like was, he's no longer handing it off he's just I like gonna, I'm going to take over I was going to say there was a lot of horizontal Lamar running in the first half of that game and this is stupid to do this but you know it also sometimes makes a point take out the 48 yard sco- score and the run around the right end that clinched the game. And I, I would bet he was at about three yards yeah. to carry the rest of the way. Maybe Made less, some great but. throws, though. The, th- the third down throw to Andrews while he's running to the sideline at the end of the first quarter, like one of the deep outs to Brown, he, 
the thing about Lamar, he'll, he'll have a couple ugly ones, but if he has three or four pretty next-level ones, then you're in trouble. Well, and Buffalo has given up more catches to tight ends than any team in the mm. league. So, you know, they're, they're, Mark Andrews, when he's part of that passing game and, and central to it, they're pretty good. Um, Lamar also threw the ugliest interception of the playoffs, right. and it will yeah, not one, be topped. One, one bad yeah. throw. That's, and I don't look, need I don't need these backward passes to Marquise Hollywood Florida you wanna, Brown. You want to talk about dangerous. Hollywood Florida Brown um, stepping up, that was grabbing that ball behind his helmet in a one score game. That thing was skipping through the back of the end zone for either a safety or a recovery for a touchdown. Right. You know, we talk about how Josh Allen got lucky on that on that fumble. Uh, we're to- we're talking about a totally different narrative and arc to Lamar Jackson's career if mm. his wide receiver doesn't bail him out on that throw. He's a um, he's a walking example of quarterbacks getting too much credit for wins and too much blame for losses. I thought he actually played fine last year in the division round. Obviously, you can't turn the ball over like like they did, but it's like he he had a basically right now he had an average Lamar Jackson game, which is really good. And and uh, everyone else around and right now I think is playing at a higher problem level. is that's not how coverage of football works. I know I know but he's like a good example not, like yeah. is there really that much difference between Lamar like right now and the way he played in that game I, a year ago I don't think so all right well, let's uh pause halftime uh, and spin through uh, the news what's going on on the coaching carousel and in other places uh, some changes on coaching staffs uh, by eliminated teams from the postseason we'll start with Ryan Schottenheimer, who is out in Seattle, they part ways, citing, quote, philosophical differences. Uh, This offense in his three seasons, you know, was pretty hot and cold, but it was as hot as any offense in the league in the first half of this year. Um, The hashtag let Russ cook era, but the collapsed in the second second half. And then what happened in the playoffs dooms Schottenheimer. And I just want to say, like, I love Troy Aikman. Um, but it did. It, it felt so simplified. I, it let me almost angry when he said during the telecast um, last weekend that the decision was made when the Seattle defense was so bad in the first half that Pete Carroll said, "Oh, we have to stop this. We're changing the offense to fix the defense." It felt so simplistic. I would really love to know how this actually happened uh, and led to the collapse because it had to be more than just a scheme change. It just seemed like so many things went wrong. They were still, you know, passing pretty heavily uh, on early downs, and it, it, it's not like they totally went away from it. They just were worse. I think, I think there's a pretty strong argument that the early season success was based on a number of unsustainable, amazing deep shot plays that you can't really scheme. <laughs> and, yeah, I would also... and he played a bunch of division opponents who know how to how to stop him. And uh, it's just there aren't that many open receivers. And but Russell Wilson was playing, you know, really poorly. That game that they lost to the Giants, 12-17, to 17, I mean, there were whispers and there were a couple comments from people in Seattle that said that others kind of mimicked that and were able to use that. I mean, they went out and scored 40 points the next week, but that was against the Jets, but they, didn't, they, they were not the same offense other than that down the stretch. And I mean, if you are a Rams fan, though, you've got to be loving this because there's nothing sweeter than beating a divisional opponent like the Rams did in the playoffs. And what comes out of it is total chaos for Seattle and the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Everyone asking if Pete Carroll's like falling off a tree branch at this point. And like the scheme's changing and we're firing coordinators. I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's pretty ugly. Few things jumble my brain more than when someone says the score of a sports game and it's the lower score first, as you just did. You said twelve to seventeen, and my brain is still 
recovering. You want to know why I did that? Because I went to I because I wanted to be accurate, which at least I was accurate in terms of the <laughs> score. But I went to Pro Football Reference and I went to Seattle's page, mm. and so they list Seattle's score first um, to suggest that they were the losers. But then I read it to you, and so I'm the loser because I said it that You're way. Winner. Don't beat yourself You're, up. That, you I'm know. the loser because I I uh, blocked up uh, the Chiefs, and I've been feeling Mark's. Uh, you know, no, this ha- is- ha- Mark and I were on good footing until now. Now, tough sit. Uh, no, I couldn't be less annoyed at you. I think it's great that you did. So, you know. <laughs> um, I like that. Mark, too. how about this in terms of uh, correcting um, yourself? Who? How do you pronounce the last name of the? Departed Steelers offensive coordinator, Randy. I say Randy Fitchner. Fitchner. All right. The Steelers and other news will not bring back <laughs> offensive coordinator Randy Fitchner. By the way, if I ever become the host of the show, it will never happen. I'm going to set you up for so many little <laughs> trick questions that guarantee you had no idea how to say that. But you let you will allow me to tumble over that on a show that someone right now in like uh, Scotland is listening to thinking that guy is an idiot. Um, I will find a way to get back at you. I promise you. I really do That's think my we should. Speech. I've always said this. I think in the offseason we should do a show. Put Sessler in the host chair. I'll be in the Sessler chair. I, I don't know what we'll do. Maybe maybe Greg will produce. Ricky will be in the Greg chair. And we'll just mix it up. And then that would be a great spot for revenge, Mark. Book it. Start to plot it. Uh, Fickner uh, is uh, not coming back. This isn't a firing because his contract was up. Uh, but Pittsburgh's another offense that everything was humming. They were 11-0. and And Big Ben was um, having a, a really nice season. And then the wheels came off. Uh, they lost four of their final uh, five regular season games and then lost, obviously, to the Cleveland Browns. And so he's out. And the Steelers under Mike Tomlin, you know Tomlin's not going anywhere. They've had three head coaches since 1969. But changes were coming, Greg, and they're starting on the offensive side. I feel like the, the pink slip started to be written the minute that Mike Silver went on NFL Network and, and said that Ben Roethlisberger was telling people that he started drawing up plays because the plays they were calling wasn't working. I mean, that's Ouch. not too subtle. <laughs> not too subtle from your, your Hall of Fame quarterback. And by the and way, also not too subtle from you, Greg, throwing uh, Big Ben under the bus, as you always do whenever you have a chance. In that, in that sort of case, yeah, I love I love watching Big Ben play for all these years, but I don't like how he'll try to shift blame. That's not a that's not what you want out of your leaders. Uh, but this has kind of distracted from Mike Tomlin's defense absolutely collapsing uh, down the stretch, too. It's not. It wasn't just the offense. It was not just that's the offense. Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looks like this thing might happen. ESPN reported that the former Ohio State and Florida coach will be the Jaguars' next Head coach. This thing is not official, but uh, the negotiations have been uh, reported, reportedly been in the works for over a month, and uh, we'll see now, Mark, if they if they get past the finish line. It, it's a flashy hire. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, they're going to bring in Trevor Lawrence as well uh, to reboot the machine. Whether it works, we'll see. Urban Meyer's been out of the game a long time, and he's never been a coach on any level in the NFL. I think it's one of those hires where kind of like when Nick Saban went to the NFL or, or Steve Spurrier, um, 
uh, Chip Kelly to some degree, where it is going to be so under the microscope because Urban Meyer, and you know, we aren't huge college guys, but I feel like I've been hearing about Urban Meyer for decades and have never equated him with the NFL. I mean, for obvious reasons, he's reigned in college and he's been through a lot of um, ups and downs and controversies, you know, off the field with some stuff that happened at Ohio State. Um, this is a polarizing hire, but uh, he apparently like is a, uh, was very interested in coaching Trevor Lawrence. So hmm. if you're a Jaguars fan, um, getting Trevor Lawrence is is one, and and the coach matters a ton. Um, I, I wonder where we'll be three hour three years from now with with this kind of a hire. But um, Jacksonville fans, from where you were a month ago to where you are now, I mean, it's a completely different headspace, and it's one filled with. Um, new waves of hope. I mean, for a team that just had no future a few months ago. All right. And real quickly, Brad Holmes is hired as uh, the new general manager of, of the Detroit Lions. He's the former director of college scouting um, in Los Angeles for the Rams. And the Broncos reach a deal with George Patton uh, to be their new general manager. Uh, he spent the last 13 years with the Vikings. He signs a six-year deal to replace John Elway as GM, John goes, I guess, further upstairs uh, and is the football czar, if you will. So there you go. That's what's happening in the league. Back to the playoffs. Greg, do you have anything about Patton you want to add? Oh, yeah, I'm a huge Pattonite. I mean, this changes everything. Patton <laughs> He's time. been doing interviews for years. He finally a got tough, a job. I mean, that is a tough job. GM with Elway not just still in the building and not in oh. some ceremonial role. He is going to be all over well, General Patton. It's funny. I've been reading some of these insidery reports. I don't know, man. It sounded like Elway was more like, I'm trying to get out of here and just chill. <laughs> and the the Broncos were like, can you stay around another year? And he was like, yeah, sure. But um, you're you're all good. You know, I'll, I'll help hire the GM. It sounds like he's just kind of over. I don't think he'll be there two years from now. <laughs> yeah. He's a competitive man. We'll see. We'll okay. see if he's able to stay out of the kitchen. All right. Let's now move into the NFC and start with... A great old showdown between old quarterbacks. The NFC South, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off that win over the Washington football team last Saturday night, 31-23. They now head to the Superdome to face the number two seed Saints, who didn't get a bye, but they got something close to it with the Bears. It turned into essentially like a a full squad scrimmage. And and they won 21-9, and we're just happy that game's over and we don't have to talk about it ever again. And now what we get is two of the most prolific passers ever to play football. Two men, Brady, 43 years old. Uh, Breeze, I believe, is 41. It could be the last time and likely is the last time they'll ever be on the same field together with Breeze heading toward retirement. But Mark will start this way. You never know what Tom Brady either. Now, Brady has been incredible mm. um, this season, and he was good again last week. Um but the assumption here, obviously, is that Brady's going to continue to thrive and be in this situation uh, for years to come. You just never know. There's so many outside factors. So there's, there absolutely needs to be urgency for a 43-year-old 43 43 quarterback because you may not never get to the divisional round again. Great matchup between two old kings. Well, it's I think it's the reason that we watch the NFL, for, for the chance to see um, at this late stage in their careers, you know, they're not that different than our age. They're older than you guys, uh, and you know, you know, I'm, most guys that, that are 42 and 43 are lumps of clay at this point, and these guys are still doing what they're doing. It's impressive. Um, Tom Brady, I think, you know, since maybe mid December, has been 
the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best. I mean, and he, his deep, the deep ball is back. And so when I look at what happened in week nine, when they were shredded 38 to three, um, even week one, week one, I throw out, but the week nine, um, shredding of Tampa Bay, it concerns me because I think the saints, um, on both sides, like their offensive line and defensive line, you'd have to say are big advantages that they can, they can force their will, will on teams and win in different ways. Um, but, but the Bucks have changed. They've evolved. And it's guys like Antonio Brown um, really flowering in this offense. And, and we've seen it with Rob Gronkowski. And I don't love their ground game, but th- this is a, a matchup where it's like, an, it's like a Pro Bowl of wide receivers if you look at both sides. And so I don't think Tampa Bay is going to um, put up three points in this one. I think this is going to be a completely different looking game. But the Saints, to me, match up well and have the advantage. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, is it about matchups or is it about who's playing better right now? Because the matchups say Saints, just because Peyton's 4-0 against Arians, you know, the way that game played out. A lot of these matchups go back before Arians was even there. Like, Marshawn Lattimore's kind of dominated Mike Evans his entire career. Trey Hendrickson, you know, dominated Donovan Smith uh, in the, in those matchups and really kind of destroyed things. Cam Jordan probably gave Tristan Wirfs, who's been great at tackle all year, uh, his worst game. So, like, th- those matchups seem to favor New Orleans. So does the coaching matchup. But then you just, like, look at it, and it's like, Tom Brady is way better than Drew Brees. Like, w- way better right now. Like, t- it's almost underrated how well Brady's playing. Because, yeah, I tweeted something out about it, and it's like, well, look at who they've played. Look at who they've played. Yeah. It's like, okay, show me the other team. Okay, the Lions are terrible. Did anyone else put up six straight touchdowns against them? No. So relative to what everyone else did, no. The throws Brady's making. They played a, They played the number three DVOA defense last year. I mean, last week. They put up 31 points, and they went one for five in the red zone. They could have put up 40. Mm-hmm. The, the throws he's making are outrageous. He's playing so well. Um, Brown is more incorporated. He had just joined the team. Godwin's playing better. So, I, if anything, I think Brady's – it's almost over. Oh, so they played the Falcons face. Okay. The Falcons <laughs> shut down – I love Pat- that voice. The, the Falcons shut down Patrick Mahomes the week after Brady – Killed him. Shut yeah, him but down. The, the Chiefs aren't even trying right now. So right. Do that exactly. Exactly. That's what they say. That. That's what they say. Okay. They shut down Herbert too. I just. I don't know. I trust the offense. That's always. I always pick these games. And well, I'm not picking against Brady right now. Yeah. I. I love. Um. I love the way Brady's playing right now. And to some statistical backing from our great NFL research team, uh, that really paint the picture of how much the Bucks have changed since that 38-3. Um, lowest moment against the Saints. The Bucks have averaged 34.1 points per game, uh, nearly 440 total yards per game since their Week 9 loss to New Orleans, including the playoffs. When they lost to the Saints, they had the three points, of course, and 194 total yards. They, I mean, Brady mm. was angry. They had no chance uh, to get anything going. And now, though, Tampa Bay has the most total yards and second most points per game in the NFL since Week 10. But it's also, uh, Mark, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object game because the Saints have allowed 16.2 points per game since Week 10, including the playoffs. So they're playing great football. You could say nothing's changed for them since that, that most recent matchup on the defensive side of the ball. So why not? Why shouldn't we think now that Tom Brady and this offense will come down to earth a little bit when they face a familiar foe? I mean, I, I come down to earth from where they've been, sure. I, I think they'll, they'll be more competitive than 
than that last one. Um, it's tough to beat a team three times, although I don't know what the science behind that is. I think it, does, it it's says tough to do wrong. anything. It kind of says it's e- it's relatively easy for what it's worth. Well, then they, let's blow that narrative yeah. up. That's an absurd... Oh, I, I hear that from simple. everyone, and it's... The huh? numbers say, they, they, yeah, they have the overwhelming... The third, the third time you play them, they have the overwhelming advantage, usually. Because they're a better team, usually. Right. Well, there's, right, Flat. that's got to be... But well, you would yeah. assume that you're meeting in the playoffs if you're doing it a third time, so sure, sure. both would be good. I think it's big that Devin White is back for the Bucks. He's been really disruptive. I love his speed. Um, he can cause some chaos. I mean, the, the Bucks' pass rush could give some problems to Breeze. You've got to figure out a way to, to do that, I, but the... You know, this Saints offensive line is one of—I kind of like a defense that's been as good as the Saints have um, over the back half of the season. The way their offensive line is playing, I kind of just cling to those things. I don't think it's going to be—I could see like 28-26 kind of type game. These NFC South teams are always wacky. I mean, you know, please. I'm worried about, you know, the Bucs defense way more than the offense. The defense is quietly kind of falling apart. Um, They don't have much of a pass rush. To me, that's the big— that's the the biggest difference right now between right now and early in the year and last year. Shaq Barrett has about a third as many QB hits and sacks. You you picked the wrong year to get on the the old Shaq Barrett. Yes, um, well, of course Mark. I did. <laughs> right church, wrong pew. <laughs> right, uh, yep. it's not happening. And this is a tough matchup. So last week, because they can't generate pressure, they're like sending crazy blitzes, and Taylor Heineke's lighting him up. That worries me. Um, but can the Saints take advantage? They're, they just haven't had many big plays. Even last week, it's like 5.1 yards per play, moving the ball. Breeze has one game out of his last seven where he's thrown for more than seven yards per attempt. So it's dink and dunk and dink and oh, dunk. And maybe that go. works. That he's turning 42. By the time you listen to this, he turns 42 on Friday. And when he got interviewed after the win um, on Sunday – uh, it sounds like he's already a broadcaster. Like he actually sounded like a dude doing like a, a hit uh, for NBC uh, during halftime of a Sunday night football game in week nine. He's like already there. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't want to play the, I know we talked about on this pod where Bruce Arians is he's still plugged in. I, I think Drew Brees is one foot already in retirement. Oh, stop. And, I mean, isn't he more fired up than ever? I mean, he does not want his career to end, by the way. Of course, losing he to, losing the great things to come to losing end, to Tom Brady. To eventually, hey, I've been in the shadow of you my whole career. I'm obsessed with like numbers, but you know everyone thinks <laughs> of Brady as the ultimate winner, and my career is going to end at home with a loss to you in Tampa. Oh my! I just I know, Tampa but it, uniform that would be rough. But it would be I don't know if the opposite if he wins. Makes sense. Right, Sean Pay- maybe Sean Brees. Payton. I think Sean Payton could win this game, you know, on his own. You're right in the defense. Yeah, you gotta. Everything. It's all about kind of recalibrating um, when you talk about the Saints. The what Drew Brees and the offense is where they factor in in terms of the whole Sa- the Saints stew here. It's just a part of it. It's not the main driving force. Yeah. I like the Saints. I, I'm sticking with them as my NFC Super Bowl pick uh, in a field goal game to get past the Bucks, but. I don't feel good about this one, to be honest with you. I really think it's a game that can go the other way very easily. Um, but I am picking the Saints by mm. a field goal, 27-24. Well, you just reminded me I took the Saints in that like Super Bowl challenge to make the Super Bowl, but I'm picking the Bucks this week. So, okay. you know, that's the problem with these things. No like you're, cover- you're covered either way. You're, yeah. You know, like you're I good. picked I have tw- Saints 24, <laughs> Bucks 21 in overtime. Um, but I'll tell you one, like I need uh, Will Lutz. 
Ooh. To be uh, a little bit more, he's. It seems like uh, the what's lately. happening in the kicker club at two two twelve in the morning mm-hmm. uh, before these games. But Will Lutz has not Lutz. been um, the Who consistent they, force of, of old. Who did they just sign? They just like signed Will a Klutz. Yeah, they signed a kicker uh, this week just to have in reserve, just because uh, Lutz has been a little. little Lutz has been. He's been revoked. His uh, open bar privileges has been, have been revoked. He's well, not allowed in thing. the champagne room. So right now he's just like. The nerd at the end of the bar, hoping that a girl will talk to him. Oh yeah, it's so, Blair. It's Blair Walsh. They have Blair Walsh. Not Blair practice. Walsh. Now, if you, Walsh. you don't tell me I have a kicker problem, and the way to solve it is let's get Blair Walsh on the field in a playoff game. Well, it's not happening this week, but he's Wait, he's what? on their practice. He's on their practice squad right now. Blair Walsh. What uh, what sort of female um, inhabitants are allowed into the kicker club? I was I was I thought it was just kickers hanging out together. How would uh, you decipher who's allowed in? Well, there is like a, a big undercurrent, bubbling undercurrent of uh, groupies, kicker groupies. Big, and, uh, a big undercurrent. Yes. Okay. And uh, that is what we're talking about. Just think like Led Zeppelin on tour 1975. All um, right. You can tell me more about it maybe yes. offline. Uh, Blair Walsh, um, of course, missed like a nine-yard field goal uh, to cost <laughs> the Vikings a playoff win against the Seahawks about five years ago. So... I don't know, man. That's what you brought in the building to say. I mean, in like negative 80 degree weather, but fair enough. The ball probably weighed like 250 pounds. It was a two yard kick. I mean, all he had to do was touch it and it was going over I the mean, crossbar. Lutz, I would, Lutz would have to go like 0 for 3 in a win or something, I think, to see Blair Walsh next week. But um, all right. Tough. Which takes us to the final game we're going to discuss. It is the other NFC tilt to decide who goes. To the championship game. Mark, how about this? When you, If you want to look at it like this as a Browns fan. Because it's been a long time for me, but uh, divisional round weekend when your team's in it, you're two wins away from the Super Bowl. How about that? Just get two more dubs. It's it's a lot to ask, but get it's club dub surreal, twice. surreal territory. That's uh, why I'm trying to be optimistic. Why go into this right. negative? I'm with you. All right, here we go. I'm with you. You picked the Chiefs and locked well, them up. I, I think it's just my guilt coming through. <laughs> I'm really reconsidering because I think my my heart actually believes the Rams have less of a chance to win. Um, but I had to take one of those. No, two. Greg, stick with the Chiefs. <laughs> right, stick let, with them. Trust me. Let's hit it. Packers 13-3, Rams 11-6. Again, I am now essentially um, a commentator in the lock competition so I'll just tell you right off the bat, I'm picking lo- uh, uh, Packers and I'm locking them up uh, here at home, coming off the bye against Jared Goff, most likely, who's been practicing in full. John Wolford obviously is uh, in a tough spot, coming off that stinger. Do I? Do I? Let's start here, Mark. Do I really feel good? And all due respect to the Rams on defense, but do I really feel like Jared Goff is going to make enough plays in this game, playing in potentially snowy conditions? in Lambeau Field, uh, needing to throw the ball uh, in a matchup against opposite Aaron Rodgers. I do not feel good about that at all. You're going to need something very special. You're going to need some Brown type, Browns-type circumstances, a snap going over a quarterback's head, uh, interceptions on tip balls for this to be a game to me. What do you think? Hmm. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, we've gotten word that John Wolford is actually out, so that at least settles... Um, okay. The drama around the quarterback situation, Poor guy. and everything we've seen from Jared Goff, and everything that we're hearing from you know in subtext and decisions made by Sean McVay says that the, your lack of confidence in that quarterback 
is felt by various people inside the organization, I think, right now. This is a quarterback with notoriously small hands. Um, he is a fumbler. <laughs> he throws interceptions at terrible hands. times. I don't know about doll hands. I mean, I don't know what size the doll is, but um, I'd be concerned. The one thing is, and I, I think that's getting a little forgotten, in what I'm hearing day after day is this like Rams defense, and legitimately is so pumped up that like this matchup will be titanic. It could be. It could also be 21-3 to um, at halftime if the Rams offense can't produce. I think that their ground game, if you get the good version of Cam Akers, you got something going on there. If you get a mistake-free version of Jared Goff, they can hang in a game. If you have your Darius Williams of the world, Aaron Donald says he's healthy. If, if, you're, if Jalen Ramsey can erase Devontae Adams to some degree, um, that's your way. That's it. I mean, this is the I, I never thought we'd say back in September that the bigger coaching storyline for the Rams is not Sean McVay, but Brandon Staley, who's become um, like the the uh, patron saint of think pieces and people being obsessed with assistant coaches as they um, are coordinated. It's Brandon Staley right now. And I mean, the bigger task is probably Sean McVay figuring out how to get this offense um, to compete in a game where they may have to score a bunch of points. Right. I mean, the Packers defense quietly finished the season much stronger than than they did um, early in the year, including that Titans game. And I think an average defense right now is shutting down this Rams group. And so that it's just a tough, it's a tough margin for error. There was nothing we saw from Goff last week um, that I found any different than what we saw before. It's part of it is his thumb. A couple balls came out wobbly. So that's, it's not on him, but it's what he's playing with. But more of it was his processing Always a little bit of a beat late. You know, the two big plays they got were, were a little fluky, a little hard to repeat. It was that that scramble by Goff that, that led to the long acres, you know, run on the short pass, and then that kind of moon ball that Cuff came down with. It's tough. It's tough to win a game like that. But um, there's, I think there's at least a chance that Brandon Staley, the man that McVay hired, because Brandon Staley was best equipped to stop a Sean McVay offense, that's why he hired him is equipped to stop this Packers offense somewhat. Yeah. Aaron Jones is going to have a chance, I think, to have a big game because it's all going to be about the coverage and it's all going to be about stopping the Packers passing game and they'll probably live with Aaron Jones going off. If the Rams were to pull off the upset, I, I just feel like that's what everybody would be talking about Monday morning. What a masterpiece right. put together by the Rams coaching staff who figure out a way to defuse this Aaron Rodgers offense and uh, scheme up a, a way to get enough points. I also like not to pile on um, the Rams in terms of my feelings about how this game's going to play out. And we have a very special guest who's just about to join us who's going to be very mad at me. Um, I know Aaron Donald said this week he doesn't even feel his rib injury anymore. <laughs> but that's what guys say when it's the playoffs, and he's obviously no way he's going to miss this game. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league. He might be the best player in the league, depending on who you talk to. But that cartilage injury he suffered uh, in his rib cage was bad enough that it took him off the field for the entire second half of a hotly contested game in the wild card round. And even if, and you know, he's being managed this week, and that makes sense. But once you're going full speed and you're lunging and attacking and falling on quarterbacks and engaging in hand to hand battle with offensive linemen, I don't feel great that that injury is not going to pop up again. And if it pops up and he reaggravates it, is it going to be bad enough where it takes him off the field entirely? Like that, there is a scenario. And now let's bring her in. Lakeisha, come on in. The great Lakeisha Jackson Wessling. 
Beautiful as always. I like the new hairstyle. There is a scenario here, Lakeisha, where uh, Aaron Donald exits in the second quarter with a reaggravation of of his injury. Jared Goff can't throw the football. I guess Blake Bortles is the backup. And this game just goes completely sideways and becomes the blowout of the divisional round weekend. Tell me why this premonition that's coming into my mind is a bunch of baloney. Well, I will say this. I agree exactly what you said about Aaron Donald. That freaks me out because especially playing in the cold, we don't know how that's going to react. But you have to remember that it's Aaron Donald. So even if he's at, what, 60 percent, that could be everybody else's 100 percent. So if he's going to be out there, I know he's going to give it his all. So that's the number one thing that if he's doing great, then I know we're doing great and our defense can pull us through offense is where it gets a bit scary for me. So, <laughs> right, like Donald, Donald is potentially, you know, Troy Aikman said he's the best player he's ever seen. Better than mm-hmm. like, so, and not only that, he's at his absolute peak. So you would, um, if I had to guess, he probably has a broken rib. You know that what you know that they're not going to announce that. That's a problem. But if if he was right, their defensive line's been playing good. You know, not just him, and you know the the Packers are without Bakhtiari. They've got a great mm-hmm. offensive line, but. Their guard that they put in there, they got Billy Turner and, and Rick Wagner. I mean, you got Leonard Foot. Like, you could you could see it. And then Ramsey, to me, is the bigger X factor. Yes. Like Ramsey talks a lot of talk. This is the toughest matchup you can possibly have. If you can, if you can actually shut down Devontae Adams and the Packers are the most number one receiver dependent team in the league, mm-hmm. then you got a shot. I, I guess I got to see it before I believe I, I got to see it before I believe it. That's like the one thing I'm really looking forward to watching. It's like. I'm hoping it's not a blowout game, but like my eyes are going to stay on um, Devontae and Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I think you have reason to think that Ramsey can do this. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of been like matchup free. He's just been that dominant. I thought there was a moment in the last week's game where, you know, and they, and we talked about this before Lakeisha that there, there's no better feeling if you're a Rams fan than sending the Seahawks into utter turmoil that, you know, re- results in firings and mayhem and, and, oh, yeah. and Twitter posts from, you know, uh, Russell Wilson. But there was a moment where R- Ramsey is just wagging his finger all over the place. And it's like there are times when he can be annoying um, when he was on the Jaguars, for instance. But he is at the height of his powers and gives you hope in this game. I would wonder yeah. and I, ha- I hate to have to do this because like the show's about to end, but I haven't done my lock yet. And maybe if you could, Lakeisha, just cover your ears real quick, just for, no. the, for the record. I have to lock up the Packers. I'm sorry. Uh, it's I'm OK. I know. And Chris is doing the same, so I don't know about locking. Don't say that, though. But it's huge against the world. Lakeisha is legit Rams fan, and she's one of the. She's an unusual Rams fan. In that, in fact, let me read a pinned tweet atop her fine profile, which you can get at Lakeisha Jackson and Lakeisha. By the way, in addition to doing great work for NFL and being the rock of all rocks for Chris Wessling. Um, has her NFL uncorked uh, video series, which you need to check out. Uh, Here's the tweet. Going from a St. Louis Rams fan to an L.A. Rams fan is brutal. It's like getting back together with an ex that all of your friends hate. Sigh. uh, Lakeisha is a St. Louis native who moved to L.A. and then the team followed her here, which is very unusual and unique. Uh, Now that enough time has passed, do you still have some of that residual uh, guilt or issues with, you know, friends that hate your ex? Not not anymore, but I will say for the first like year or so, it was really hard. People thought that I knew something when I moved out here. And it's just like, no, like that's, you know, (laughs) I was not an insider that did not happen on purpose. But even like with the first, you know, one or two years, we were even getting good. I was very, very hesitant to like 
post pictures and say too much because it just Ooh. it was hard and I and it I felt bad. I wasn't, you know, I was sad for my city, but you know, after a while I had to post something saying like, hey, I gotta live my life and these, these are my boys, so I'm riding hard for them. LA Rams. You know, you don't need you don't need friends <laughs> that don't support your happiness. Let you know you had to go through Jeff Fisher. You came out yeah, here. I you, suffered through all that, and now I'm in the glory years. Got yourself a, a husband. You know, great job. You know, these people they need they need to support you. Yes, they're happy okay. for me now, though. I was I was I was with you on the metaphor. Now I'm not tracking it. Is the husband the Rams or is it Wes? No, the husband in this case was the rest. Wes. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Wes, Lakeisha, how is how is our man right now? We he's, having, right now. he's doing a little bit better this week. It's not huge, but we'll take any little, you know, significant, like little little progresses. Just, you know, slowly just taking it day by day. It's hard to kind of get too excited because, mm. as you guys have noticed, whenever, you know, something good will happen. It's like, we'll take two steps forward. So it's just living it each day by day. And I'd have to ask along with that, like Link, uh, not sure how many days he's been on the earth, but is he mowing the lawn? Is he helping out around the house? <laughs> doing his his part. I was worried because he had just woke up when I got on. I'm like, oh goodness, I hope they can't hear him screaming, but he's growing so fast. Like that's the, I know I said this last time, but it Every day, like he just makes us so happy. And now that he's able to crawl and go wherever he wants to, the cutest thing that he does is we ended up getting a recliner to help Chris sleep. Um, so if Chris is like up in the recliner, his blanket sometimes will like hang over on the floor and Link will always like crawl over and like put his head on it and like look up and talk to him. And it just it that just wow. kids just know like babies are smart. They know like when you need that extra like love and like, you know, dad, you know, I'm still here. You can do this. Yep, it's obviously been such a challenge uh, for you guys, but having Link in there, I can't imagine that's that's the light of oh, yeah. life in the home. Um, Getting geez, so much pick, personality. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't wait to get from? to know him better. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the pandemic is keeping us from really getting to know Link, but yeah. in time we will. Uh, pick the game. We, we need your pick, Lakeisha. You know I'm going Rams. There you go. See, you got to talk to Shook. Shook's picking against the Browns for the second straight week. No. What's the final score of this game? Final score, let's go 23-10. Oh, that's not even close. See, that is, that's the exact score. No, that's a good prediction. That's the score that Peter King's leading with his Monday morning quarterback. Brandon Staley and Sean McVay cooked up the game plan of their lives. Yes. 23-10. All right. I I love it. My fingers crossed. <laughs> I give at least a chance of the old, like, Sean McVay uh lafleur matchup or you know we used to call him the what, what was he the the boy the you flower know or the boy yeah. with the beard the bearded boy he basically got hired because he was associated with with sean mcveigh mm-hmm. and so i'm you know you're not sean mcveigh i'm sean mcveigh that's what that's what he says hopefully but I, although i did pick the packers 20 does he say that to him or does he I don't say know. that I don't, know what he says. I don't know what he says i love keisha by the way because when i told her about when we talked about coming on the pot she's not like excited to talk Rams necessarily, but her first response is just like, "I'm so excited to see you guys." So that's <laughs> this is the best of COVID. This is so annoying, but this is like I feel like you know we're at Rocco's just chatting it up, talking football like we normally do, or at Absolutely. the cozy. Like to better times, we'll all be together again yes. sooner rather than later. Hopefully, all right. That's it. Good show, Lakeisha. You are you're the perfect woman in a lot of ways. You <laughs> Thanks got it for all. having me on. 
Beauty, brains, loyal, no sports. I don't know if she can cook. Can you cook? Not as good as Wes. Yeah, Wes got well, you. So you found that, see, so you're good at finding the perfect compliment oh, yeah. where you're not shining. Get a little possessive about the food Wes makes. Yes, I love to eat. Anyway, you're the best. And uh, we'll be back on, well, two things. We have our television show, which is not this show. It's a totally different show that's previewing Division Round Weekend that will air on NFL Network tomorrow at 3 p.m. Either Eastern or Pacific. 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 It's six Eastern. Eastern. And there will be replay. Six Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And there will be re-airs. So just check it out and and DVR it. Uh, If you're overseas, I think you could track it down on International Game Pass. But that's that's just a that's just a guess. At some point, I'm going to nail down. Who do we have tied up by like rope and um, you know whatever else to be on at 6 p.m. on NFL Network? I feel like that's a, a violent coup. I'm giving Erica the credit for that. I'm sure she was stumping behind the scenes. And then we'll be back, um, hopefully, with Chris Wessling, the other Wessling, um, on Sunday night for the divisional round playoff uh, recap. It is the greatest football weekend of the year, pound for pound. So let's all enjoy it. Everyone stay safe, stay well. And I have a new rule on this podcast. Mark, we're playing out every ATN podcast, including through the offseason, with that uh, Brown song, until Cleveland's been eliminated from the playoffs. So that's our new outro music. Until Cleveland's gone. That's what it is. All right. Well, we'll see. I, I hope it's, you know, another eight or nine or ten shows, please. All right. Hit it, Ricky. All right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Keish, the old boss. <laughs> I love this song. <laughs> the Quiet Storm and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday.
You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.